Hi, podcast people. You just made my day. Hi, how you doing, folks? Welcome to part two of um, what is a two-part story. My wife and I sharing our depression story starting years back and uh, still continuing today. So please enjoy it. And if you haven't listened to the first part, go back one episode and uh, listen to part one. And then you can continue here. So we join this podcast recording already in session. So um, I also had at the time signed up to do a, um, a, a Christmas play with a co, you know, co-pastor mm-hmm. friend of mine. She was very thrilled. I even went to one of the practices and, mm-hmm. you know, everybody seemed to be really happy about my performance. And then they pulled me off the medicine mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. I mean, it just went from plus 10 to negative 10. Yeah. Overnight. Yeah, because the medicine worked almost immediately, and it quit working almost immediately, obviously, when you were off of it. And I waited and waited and waited because I hoped that I would get on something new. I I hoped for some sort of benefit to start coming in before I had to tell them that I couldn't do the play. But there was just absolutely no way. I mean, I'd have rather had run my car into a wall before I had to do this, you know, play thing. And so I put it off, and I think it was November. Yeah, this is a Christmas play, and you know, and I told her, "I'm sorry, I can't, can't do it." And she was actually the first person I told, outside of Pastor, mm-hmm. about what was going on, and she was very gracious. And I don't know who they got to take my place, but, um, but that was the thing. And that's October. Somewhere in October 2012 is when podcasting stopped for me. Yeah, probably the end of the month because that was right around when it all happened. Because I remember Halloween, you were a mess. Yeah. So. Yeah, I couldn't do Halloween. Just couldn't do it. Yeah. I was even supposed to help. I got people to do it and I was supposed to help. Couldn't show up. Couldn't do it. Yeah. Couldn't face them. But um, so podcast, my podcast people will remember, you know, after well, looking back in October and previous to that. There would be there was a lot of spidiness in the amount of shows that I was doing, especially when nobody's listening. And I could not, can't do comedy when you don't feel happy. Right. At least I can't. Can't fake it, I don't think. And so there would be periods where I could, and I was, you know, up, and I did it because it, it, you know, it helped, helped me feel like I accomplished something. But then other times, like I said about the energy thing, it, it drained me too much. And then when October rolled around, and the bottom dropped out. That was it. That was it. So at that point, that's when things really started dropping off at work. You know, I, I couldn't come in. I couldn't handle anything. I was hurting all the time. Um, Jen was really frustrated. Um, I was I was really frustrated. And uh, so I went to my pastor a third time. Yeah, this was early December. After everything. And-, and I came in with a letter, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. And he said, absolutely, I cannot accept this. I'm not going to accept this. This is my letter of resignation. He, he wouldn't accept it. And we came, was this when we came to him with a proposition? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Okay, it was why don't December. you talk about that? Because I, I, it's muddy for me. Um, it, it was probably mid-December. So you had been feeling better in October. Um, had struggled through the six months before that pretty badly. And then um, you're doing decent in October, November was just a nightmare. And then um, December, you know, we're like, okay, it's, it's been, it's been too long that, that you just haven't been able to do anything, but maintain the services. So, so you we, know. we've got to come forward. Yeah. We've so. always been that way. We don't want somebody coming to us. Yeah. Saying, uh, well, James. You know, we didn't want to cheat the church. Right. Like, you know, hey, you know, obviously... You You're sh- paying us this much. Surely you've noticed that you things are not going well. But, yeah. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, we we both met with him, and I was absolutely one hundred percent convinced that you would be fired on the spot, um, or that he would, you know, kind of accept, or accept that resignation, accept the resignation, and be like, I'm oh, sorry. But um, he was actually really awesome about it and what we had proposed. And he's like, you know, I, I don't really think it's the most healthy thing for you guys to, for you to just step out. You know, I, I think I think that, you know, not having anything to do will be even worse. And and obviously he didn't want us to leave or anything like that. And um, what we had come to was that, you know, James had said, I, I still want to continue doing Sunday morning. I can still be there on Wednesday night, and I still want to come to staff meetings. I just can't do the office hours right now. I just can't handle it. Yeah. And um, he said, and and he's and well, we started talking about a part time option. Yeah, yeah, and with and less said, of an emphasis on right. office hours. Yeah. And so, so we kind of worked out a thing where you know we would take a cut in pay, mm-hmm. and they would um, go ahead and you know just kind of carry us along and let it, let us do what we, or let you do what you could do. Yeah. Cause the, then, the goal was we told him I'm going to get better. You know, at, at some point in this, my, my doctor actually told me that I, I was totally for sure that this was not going to work out. And he told me everybody, I, he says, everybody gets better. Everybody gets better. And so I carried that message to my pastor. And so our, this was a temporary situation that we wanted. We wanted just a limited time Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of needed it open-ended, but a minimum of six months or a year just to take the pressure off, to provide the atmosphere that I needed to heal. Because mm-hmm. the, 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 stre- the stress and pressure of my job wasn't helping me. Right. It was hurting me. So we went to him. We came up with this idea, this proposal, and he had to take it. Um, before the board, mm-hmm. what kind of time passed? Because um, I he know it said was a, a he terrible said, waiting game. I mean, it was. Well, it was. Um, there was a couple of weeks. It was like mid December. So it's like, well, every, you know, everybody's off the end of December, you know, whatever. Let's just give it a few weeks before I even bring this to anybody because, you know, it's the holidays. We don't have a board meeting. There's no, There's really no reason to to um, do this and, and maybe things will improve. Yeah. And he gave me a leave of absence if I'm not mistaken yeah, around that for, time for too. about four Just weeks. Just a guilt-free time yeah. to be away. Yeah. And, um, and then there was a board meeting late January. So, so, um, you know, we, we did the Christmas thing, got, got through that, you know, you were kind of off the hook. You still had, had a certain amount of things you were doing church wise. Yeah. But, I still had to read a story on Christmas Eve service. But I, I actually went back and used the one I had written three years prior, and uh, it worked out. And luckily, I, there was also this uh, there was always this candle option that we or alternative that we had to give the kids. And luckily, earlier in that year, I had purchased a big box of these little finger mm-hmm. light things, and so that part just turned out to be kind of cake. It was yeah, and then you just did your normal Sunday services, and yep. and it was fine. Um, and then fast forward to, you know, obviously things didn't fix in the few weeks that, that we had, you know, and, and looking back, I wish we'd known because it wasn't going to fix in a few weeks. Well, yeah, two week minimum just to see if stuff worked. Yeah. yeah, let alone it just and, you know, meanwhile, just to kind of put a hold on on the timeline, you know, the doctor had been switching medicines back and forth. Not all the medicines worked. Um, not all the medicines worked together. And then, you know, one thing he did come to is he prescribed this medical food, um, I think it's folic acid, that mm-hmm. helped make the medicine work better. Yeah, made me more susceptible to the benefits. Because you just weren't, you were taking all these different medicines and they weren't making a difference. Not much, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he also found that he you could take an antidepressant, but you had to take something with it to make it work better. So in in addition to the medical food. So, I mean, there was a lot of switching around in medicine. So it was a lot of time where you were either on medication that wasn't doing a whole lot or on just, you know, minimal amounts of medication. Yeah, it just, it was a long process and it probably always is. And we had no idea. Yeah. I mean, we just didn't know how, you know, and, and maybe some people are very susceptible and, and it, it works a lot quicker. I have no idea. And I would guess a doctor would tell you every case is different. Well, I know there are people that I've talked to online that struggle for years with this 
process and, and still have it come. Okay. And, and if you combine it with something like body aches um, for no reason, which is the, uh, what is that called when you, fibromyalgia, mm. that's sometimes it's hand in hand with this kind of stuff. Oh, wow. It, it can be years that they struggle with this and look for some sort of solution. And much like depression, fibromyalgia is very misunderstood, comes across like, oh, you're just sore. I worked out yesterday. I'm sore. Why can't you just get over it? But, you know, when you can't sleep, you can't do anything. Yeah, that is true. And uh, when you can't lift your arms, you can't do anything. When you can't walk right, you can't do anything. But uh, so we go ahead. Oh, so so I mean, he definitely wasn't in good shape. Um, you know, none of this time. And, and if we'd known how long it would take to find the right mix of medicine and just, I think there's a certain amount of time that the whole thing just had to run its course. Um, it just wasn't going to fix in a few weeks and it wasn't obviously something we could will to be fixed. Mm. And then, and it wasn't something that we could pray away either. No, it wasn't. And if we could have, then all the prayers between me and James combined would have prayed it away Mm -hmm. because I don't think I mean, I think both of us spent so much time begging God. Well, and don't crying, let and, us don't let us lose everything. Yeah, don't, don't let me lose my job. Don't let me quit. You know, don't let me let my family down. Please take this away. And literally sc- screaming out, you know, God, give mm-hmm. me some relief. You know, please, please, God, please, God, please, God, please, God. You know, help me not feel this for just a few seconds. And uh, we, Jen and I just came to the conclusion that this was something we were going to have to go through. Yeah, and I, I think it was somewhere in there, and I, I can't remember when, that it finally hit me that this was not something that I could control or I could make you be better if I just pushed you or or screamed or, or got upset or, or... Or prayed. Yeah, or, or prayed or anything, that, that you were going to be however you were going to be, and I couldn't change that, that I just had to deal with it. And somewhere in there, I quit fighting it. Well, it, it happened when you went to the doctor with me was the beginning of it. I, I invited her to come with me because I was getting all this understanding about my condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she wasn't. She was getting it secondhand. And spouses of both genders, you know how it is when you talk to each other and you say something. And then when somebody on the TV says the same thing, that's when the other spouse says, Oh yeah, you said that, you know, and then you get some cred, you know, well, I knew, I mean, it was in my best interest, of course, to tell her, uh, these positive things that he was telling me, why would she believe, you know, why, well, how could she believe that without having a little question mark saying, Oh, he's just making excuses for how he's being. And so I, I brought her in and she asked some questions and the doctor was amazing. I mean, he's, he is amazing. I'm still seeing him yeah. <laughs> just once every two months now, thankfully. Uh, and he answered your questions. And I think at that point, maybe it didn't happen immediately, but very soon I would say that instead of you seeing me as the problem, you started seeing depression almost as a third dude, you know? Yeah. Like and it, I, I think, it was both of us, it was both of our problems. We both were fighting it. Yeah. I, I would guess going to the doctor helped me realize that it was really a condition that was really being treated and not just my husband has changed his personality. And that it was a physical and thing. It, yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't something that you could just will away or it wasn't something you could just be different about. But, um, yeah, and I think I finally hit the point where I accepted the fact that, like you said, that we were just going to go through this. That there wasn't, it wasn't going to just, there was, we couldn't will it away. We couldn't pray it away. We couldn't even really medicate it away. It it was not going to fix quickly. It was just going to be. And the problem is that didn't fit very well in our theology at the time because you get raised believing sometimes it's said out loud, but a lot of times it's just assumed that if you live properly, you know, if, if, if you live as a Christian, it is kind of assumed that you're going to have this charmed life, that, that certain things God is not going to allow you to go through, which makes absolutely no sense because I still got colds and flus, even though I was living for God. 
Yeah. I would fall down and hurt myself once in a while. I'd broke a toe, you know, but we don't think about those things and go, God, why, why did you let that happen to me? But we will do that with the big things that in the scale of the universe are exactly the same. Right. Bad things that happen to you are bad <laughs> no matter what. Now, that you, obviously, there's different levels for us and all that. I'm just talking about, though, in, in concept, in theory, um, random acts of crap uh, happen. And this was not something that fit in the way we believed, in the way we thought. And for a long time, and, and maybe even I can even say now, we're still trying to figure out how that how God and what we were doing for him and his will versus what happened versus his sovereignty versus what he allowed, what he didn't allow, you know, the fact that he didn't, you know, didn't stop it. He didn't help it. Yeah. You know, and I know there's, there's 50 million Christians out there listening to this going, but he did brother. He did. No, 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 he didn't. He didn't. He didn't stop it. He didn't fix it. And we're still going through it. Yeah, and I, I don't know that, you know, obviously it could have been a lot worse. It, it I think anybody can say well, that yeah. about any situation. But, I mean, I, I don't know that there was any suffering that was curbed. I mean, I, I think we went through every, you know, for the, at the time, for the time. I mean. Well, you got to think about people that lose limbs. A Christian yeah. guy. I, you know, a pastor that I knew long ago, uh, worked in a bakery, lost his arm in a mixer. That didn't get better. God didn't stop it and he didn't repair it. We know a a lady at the last place we worked at and she's been through multiple miscarriages. You know, one of the greatest, nicest, sweetest people, families for that matter that you'll ever meet in your life. And come dangerously close to having a baby and then lose it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It happened to her three times, three times in a row after, you know, after she'd had three healthy babies, Mm -hmm. she wasn't old. She didn't have any reason to think anything. And every time believing that, Oh God has blessed me again. And you know, and then of course being in church, you pray for people with cancer and God just doesn't choose to heal them. And Christians typically, and I think we even did too, you kind of just avoid that about thinking about that kind of stuff because it doesn't fit. And Jen and I now have two things. We know God loves us. We know that he has a plan. We know all of these things. But we also know that this, we we, we were talking about today, there was a bumper sticker in the 80s that kind of wrapped it up, but I won't quote it specifically, but we've added the phrase crap just happens to our theology because sometimes it just does. And when you think of Christianity outside of America, all of a sudden you realize, yeah, uh, there's a lot of Christians suffering all over the world. Why do we think that our Christianity is any different or any better than theirs? Their governments might come after them, you know, the disease, famine. But we mix the American dream in with our Christianity. And and it says that if you work hard enough, you do the right things, you'll have a great life. That is the American way. And it's also a lot of our theology, whether we realize it or not. And so it really knocked me for a loop because I was doing what God wanted me to do. And there was absolutely nothing wrong. And this thing happened. And I thought for sure, that it would go away or stop just in the nick of time, even, mm-hmm. you know, to save it. Because why would God want to destroy what I was doing? Yeah. What was there to benefit the kingdom of God by taking me out of commission? But that's exactly what happened. The thing that we feared the worst, the one thing that I was working so very, very hard to avoid eventually came to a head. And that was, I didn't want to lose my job. And eventually we came to a point where there was some things I could not do. I had, I think, submitted my um, uh, 
what is it called? A uh, resignation, resignation a third time, not in a, not in an official way. I think I had just emailed it to him, and um, and he said, you know, let's talk about it. And then it came up to the this hard event where I had to get up in front of people and tell them, um, kind of give a report of what the ministry had done in the last year. And I can't tell you a, a worst <laughs> event to have happened. I could have probably gotten up and talked about something from the Bible. Could have gotten up and talked about being a dad or, you know, anything, anything, but to get up and try to give a report of what had happened the last year was absolutely the worst because I could get up and spin it and I could make up some things. But the, but the truth was that year I had failed. Things were bad. It was the worst it had ever been. And I couldn't lie. And then compounded with that, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I, I couldn't, I didn't have the strength or the, the ability. And I don't remember, I mean, timeline wise, I think I remember telling you before I talked to him that, you know, we're going to have to, I'm going to have to quit because they're not going to, you know, if I don't do this or if I can't do this, it's time for me to quit. Well, you, you told me after you told him, mm. but you said, you know, he didn't want me to, if you want me to call him back, I will. Um, yeah, yeah. He well to finish it since we jumped ahead. Uh, oh, sorry. Well, I I just I remember us having conversations talking about the possibility yes. of quitting, and it became something that I I think what you did is you wanted to soften it to where I would be able to live if I lost my job. I, mm-hmm. I think you saw that. You're like if I if I put too much pressure on him, you know, it's just going to destroy him when he when it, if and when he loses his job. So, so this event came up, I was supposed to speak. I told him I couldn't do it. And he says, okay, but when you don't, they're going to, the, the board is going to come and ask me, you know, why you didn't do this. And I'm going to have to have something to tell them. And that's when in tears, I said, you're going to have to tell them that you accepted my resignation. And he says, okay. I said, and he wouldn't, oh, actually, no, he didn't say, okay. He said, no. And I said, please. I mean, through tears, I said, while I've still got an ounce of self-respect left, not self-respect, I don't know what I used, but the point was that I hated not being able to do what I was supposed to do, and I wanted this to be the last time. And he said, okay, so I'm going to be meeting with the board at this certain time. If you change your mind between then and now. Let me know. And I didn't, I didn't call him. I felt a release. I felt horrible, but I felt a release, you mm-hmm. know, like all that had lifted. It felt better. But let's back up again. Our timeline's jumping all over the place. We had met with him. We met with him. And we had made up this idea, this package, this offer, and he met with the board. Yeah. And I mean, we thought the board meeting would just be a formality. So honestly, I didn't think much about it once he said it was fine. Yeah. But, um, you know, he met with the board, and the board was, I think, pretty shocked by by the whole idea that that we were struggling. I yeah, they didn't know. They didn't know. I mean, I don't know how they would have known, but and um, they didn't understand it. And if I remember correctly, it was kind of like uh, they, you know, he he really needs to kind of get it together. Yep. You know, like you, you you know, give him he's got a month. By the next board meeting, which I guess was in March, I don't know. Um, you know, he he needs to have it together, or he needs yeah. to have a plan that we we can't have a part time children's pastor. We right. he's he's gotta get it together. He's gotta toe the line, and I understand that. I did. Yeah. Now I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna tell you the truth. It hurt really bad to yeah, hear that. It's horrible. Yeah. Because what happened was I met with him afterwards, and um, and he said, "Well, we didn't get the response we'd hoped for." And um, and he talked to me and, and told me, um, they even had him ask me if I was called to work there, you know, if I was even called to work there, um, which, you know, I, I took pretty, I took as, you know, I took offense to that almost immediately. 
like like the one that was the one thing in the conversation that I got right away as something negative. How in the world would they question that? I mean, we we moved here, <laughs> we've been serving here for what three years or whatever yeah. at the time. You know, when when what had I done that would force them or make them doubt my you know uh, my my alignment or whatever but basically they didn't like our idea they didn't want to do that and they took it more from a business standpoint of by this certain time we'll take and look and see if you're able to do the job and um and so it was presented to us the possibility of of coming in and talking to the board one on one uh which I could not do I couldn't do it. I was like, first of all, I don't think I have it, you know, the ability to. Secondly, I don't think me talking about myself is going to win over anybody anyway. Right. And so Jen had actually offered to yeah, do it. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I, I had had the idea of, of that I would present to the board, that I would talk to them. Cause, With you know, me there, of course. But. Yeah, that in, in I guess in the context of a meeting. But, you know, we, we had asked to meet with them, you know, as soon as possible. As soon as possible, because it had been dragging on. Yeah, I mean, this was the end of January, and, you know, last we had heard they were really upset, and, you know, we I wanted to talk to them and try to explain, you know, what, what I had watched you go through and, and how, you know, that, that this wasn't a big excuse that you didn't just hate working there, but um, that uh, that this was a legitimate thing and we were doing the best we could and, and, you know, all that. But as it turned out, I mean, by the time the business meeting came around that you were supposed to present it and then couldn't and then gave your resignation, you know, by that date they still hadn't set any time to talk with us. And no. that was a good month and a half later, I believe, or at least a month later. So it had been four weeks that we just kind of sat. And, you know, one thing they had said in the, the meeting with Pastor is that they were going to keep an eye on us, which just made me crazy. I'm like, really? Because, you know, there's there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, it was and, almost as if they were saying that I was da- either dangerous or not trustworthy. Yeah. And we had worked so hard through like this a- whole time to— to, to prove the opposite of that and to show that, you know, I was working really, 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 really hard to keep things normal, you know, for the workers and for the kids. And yeah, to hear, we're going to come check up on you. Uh, you know, not we're going to come and help or we're going to send some people to take your place to help out, you know, but to, we're going to come watch you. Which they they didn't do they did once I they think. did once for about five minutes and then that but was yeah. it. but it drove me insane I I was like I was so upset because I'm like really I I can't I can't deal with this so you know when the discussions came up about quitting it was like you know they're gonna fire us eventually yep. and if I have to pick between you quitting or getting fired I pick quitting yeah and that's what I chose I was like I'd rather I'd rather quit. Then get fired. I don't want to be the guy that was fired for mental reasons. Yeah. <laughs> you can't recover from that, you know? Well, that and, you know, it's like it's like we'd, we'd done everything we knew we could do, and obviously it wasn't going to work. So we felt like we should just step out of the equation. And we weren't in a situation, apparently, that was going to be able to be gracious. And I understand it. I do. I, I wasn't a fan of it, but I do understand it because— that's the reason why I turned in. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the way, reason why I came on those three different meetings to the pastor to be proactive because I agreed with what the board said that they needed the best children's pastor for the position. And I progressively was not being that. And so that's why I was forthcoming. That's why we came to them. And the truth is that if we hadn't, we could have gone a lot longer without anybody knowing anything. Yeah. You know, and maybe even have gotten through it without anybody knowing. But it wasn't right. No. I'm not I I'm not going to take a paycheck and not work 40 hours minimum, you know. 
Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to get a full-time paycheck and be respected as a pastor when all I'm doing is sermon prep and Sunday mornings and that's it. So that's the reason why we went forward and, um, I don't blame them a bit. It was harsh and it was, it was not fun, but, uh, it was the, that was their decision. So, uh, I turned in my resignation and it was accepted uh, obviously, I don't know that they have a choice in that. No, I don't <laughs> you know, think so. it's like I quit. Bye, peace. And um, I, that was it. I mean, we, we turned in a two week notice, and two weeks in one day, actually, because I wanted to go to the final staff meeting and all that kind of stuff. And it was unfortunately we had to wait. Till I think the Sunday before we left, before we could tell anybody, or yeah. you know, so it's hard on the kids. People were told the same week we were gone. We were gone. That's right. Which was, and at the time, I was still very, 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 very st- st- not stressed, but shamed by what was going on in me. I, I did not want anyone to know. And I, I, pastor asked me, "What do I tell people?" And I said, "Just tell them I'm quitting during due to illness." And unfortunately, <laughs> that uh, I think that was the worst possible thing I could have done. Because everybody walked out of there with questions, you know, and what what happened, what's really going on, you know. And so to a certain extent, Jen and I experienced a experience not unlike that of someone that would have uh, been ejected from a church uh, for cheating mm-hmm. or embezzlement or some other kind of moral failure. And it was simply, I, I take the blame for that, it was because they didn't know. And I don't know how different it would have been had we told them, you know, what it really was. But we fully expected to be able to go back, and we couldn't. It was it was just us. We I, I had failed. This was the place that I had failed in. And Jen told me I didn't fail. My friends told me I didn't fail. But I failed. It wasn't my fault, but I failed. And so going there just didn't work. It was weird for the people. Yeah, the people really struggled. And, you know, all the friends who, I, I shouldn't say all, we didn't most know yeah. of the friends and 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 most, especially the acquaintances we had, people that, you know, you, you see and you'll talk to casually, socially, all those relationships just disappeared immediately. Disintegrated, yeah. And even our more, you know, what we thought was more deeper relationships, you know, there's a certain amount of people out there that just don't really want to walk through the more difficult things in life. And uh, we really experienced that, 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 that being friends with us suddenly was difficult. You know, that, and, that, that thing that says, uh, smile and the world smiles with you, but frown and you frown alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That took on a whole new meaning for us because it's very true. Which was probably the biggest shocker uh, of the whole thing. You know, yeah. I, I thought the financial part would be the worst or the school part would be the worst, but you know, to me, the worst was the fact that we went from, you know, knowing people and having kind of a group of people and, and a social group to virtually nobody. And it, at first it was nobody. Yeah. There was not a soul who would talk to us. Um, there was one one of the pastors who had actually already retired um, had reached out to me over some or I had been talking with her over something completely different. And, you know, when all this came down, she really started reaching out um, through Facebook. Yeah, through Facebook. And she was the only one that talked to us. And then uh, probably within within a month or so, one of the other pastor's wives had reached out to me. And by that point, um, I didn't know what to expect because I had gotten a lot of responses from people and none of them were good. So I remember sitting, you know, I'm like, I didn't turn down her invitation for lunch, but I remember sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, what is she going to say? You know, what, what, cause, cause, you know, frankly, our, our stance wasn't very popular. Yeah. I mean, people didn't, I, I don't know if they disapproved or they didn't understand or what it was, but they did all of the above. They didn't want to be around us. Yeah. They did, you know, if. You know, it's it's kind of like the the Amish show that I watch all the time. I mean, it, it would be what I would imagine being shunned would be like. It's like people look at you and they wish you, they didn't see you because now they have to say hi, but they don't want to. And I got to disclaim this because Jen and I both will say this, that though it felt that way, 
it, it may not have been a hundred percent that way. I had to deal with it even at the school where I would drive up and drop the kids off every day, you know, and, uh, or not drop them off, pick them up every day. And I, in my head thought everyone here it knows me as the former pastor that probably had some kind of screw up and now he's a loser. And later in the year, some things occurred. I mean, very recently actually, yeah. where we met with a, with a guy and he had no clue who I was outside of, I was just the parent of these two kids. Yeah. He <laughs> so, said you looked familiar and yeah. he's like, Oh, so your kids go to SPC. The truth yeah. is though it, you know, though there is truth to what Jen is saying and, and, and what I've said, there's also, we're open to the possibility that it felt worse than maybe it really was in, in some extent. We can't say that every single person at the church hated us, but it felt that way. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. And uh, there were some legitimate rejections and some legitimate, you know, like 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 she said, the, the, the relationships just suddenly were like they just didn't exist. Um. You know, there was no calls of, hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? Are you alive? Are you getting better or worse? Not one. Not one. Not one. That I remember. Yeah, no, not not to me either, you know. And that was probably the worst. I, I guess I had an expectation, and you're kind of taught this in church somehow, that the church is there for you if you need them mm. and and you don't want to need them, but you always expect, well, you know, I've, I've never been through a really hard time, but it looks like they'd be there. You know, it looks like at least somebody would show up with a casserole. Yeah. Cause or, well, we had experienced, uh, you know, I don't want to use any names or anything, but there was a lady that had gone through a very debilitating disease that attacked fairly quickly who had been on staff mm-hmm. at the church. And we got to see, grace and action, you know, people came around her and, and, you know, supported her and key people, you know, washed her clothes and paid her bills and, you know, did all the stuff for her. you even, you know, did some, did her taxes and things like that. So we had no reason to expect anything less than that. Yeah. And I thought but the well, rules are different when it's mental and, and, and apparently when you're a pastor. Yeah. Cause they're just, was nothing. I mean, it just, no. And and to be fair again, I don't know that I would blame the church and the specific people at this church. I don't know that it would have been much different at any place. Yeah, I'm not real sure. I don't know. Unless, I mean, there are people that know us, people from Kansas City and people that we have these, these deeper connections with that have not changed at all right? as a result of this. Um, and, and, I, and I believe it would be different with them, but... And, you know, it, it, in some ways, maybe it's not fair because we were only here for three years. And, you know, some of the years we were dealing with this, you know, in some way, shape or form. So, you know, we may not have reached out and made the kind of relationships that we needed, you know, in those in those instances. I It's hard. It's hard to tell. Well, I will tell you how it felt, though. It did feel that it wasn't suddenly we weren't easy to know. Suddenly we were complicated and suddenly we had left in a similar way to pastors who have fallen morally, you know? Yeah, that's, that's what I totally and felt And so like. I think people responded to that, you know, just kind of, this is what we yeah, did. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the way we left and, and the way it was announced and wasn't, wasn't even entirely our decision, but, you know, we had our part in it. It didn't give anybody any kind of sense of closure. So I don't think anybody knew what to do with it. So I think that was part of it that some, you know, and then they just didn't know how to treat us. Yeah. But, um, but it did, it did feel like, and, and maybe people just thought maybe there was more to the story, but it did feel like we it went through a moral failure. Cause there was a, there was a period of time, you know, after we left that we went back to the church and, you know, we, we left the church completely for about a month. And then realized that we knew nobody and, you know, weren't going to form quick relationships in a new church. And so we went back to the church and James was still a mess. I mean, he still wasn't doing well. 
And so I went by myself with the kids because, you know, we were trying desperately to keep life somewhat normal for the kids. For them, yeah. And uh, so we thought, well, maybe going back to the church would help. And, you know, I went back and took the kids and I sat alone. Gosh, I, I don't know how many times I went back, but I remember sitting alone more than once. And even when James was there, I mean, it was just the two of us. And here's a whole church full of people that, you know, we knew most of them. If, you know, there were, there was a number of people that we realized once we started sitting in the service that we'd never met because they didn't have kids and, you know, yeah. paths had never crossed. A whole different world. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, in general, you know, I just sat alone and, and running into people was worse. Yeah, it was, it was real worse awkward for them. And being alone. And you, you get that flash of look in their eyes before the smile of, oh, crap, I'm, I've just bumped into them. I've done it to people. I know I have. Where maybe somebody has a physical deformity that you're not supposed to notice and you stare at it, but then you quickly look at their eyes and you know they noticed. You know for a minute they saw the disgust. And that's the way Jen and I felt with so many people. They would say the right things. Mm-hmm. but Some you, of them not even that, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Some of them were just being themselves. Hey, how's the meds? I literally mm-hmm. heard that across a lobby yeah. one time. And I'm like, I tried to explain to Jen how that felt. And uh, I said, imagine if you had a butt problem and somebody's like, hey, how's your butt problem? You know, <laughs> across the lobby. <laughs> it'd be, yeah, it'd be very embarrassing and, and horribly yeah. shameful. So uh, over time, I eventually learned to stop being ashamed of it and, and kind of came out of the closet, so to speak, through a through a, a blog post of all things a, couple, a few months later, maybe four mm-hmm. months later. Where I just kind of just unloaded the whole thing. And I think a lot of folks from the church read it, you know, and it didn't change anything really. But I think it gave some people closure. It definitely helped me to get everything out and kind of, you know, just this is what I am now. I am a person that is recovering from from depression and um, trying to get my life back together, trying to figure out how God works and, you know, all this kind of stuff again trying to figure out if I'm going to continue in ministry or not, you know, uh, but I've been without a job for over a year, just over a year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I've only been doing better the last six months or so. And I've only been doing really better the last couple months. Yeah. Consistently better. Yeah. Like predictably better. And even to even now, even in the last couple of days, I still have my moments. But um, and though I can't control them or talk myself out of them like you can normal moments, um, they do send, seem to be very short. Mm-hmm. You know, as short as fifteen minutes in some cases. Sometimes a half a day. Sometimes you know whatever. I'm still struggling with sleeping at night, um, and being really tired during the day. But I am doing more and more and more and more and more. Um, any any comment on how awesome I am? <laughs> sure. Um, no, one of the big things that's hit me about you doing better has been the fact that it's like parts of your personality that I could – it's been so long since you've been that way, I forgot they existed. Mm. And it, it really helped me understand even more that – how much this has just affected you and how you couldn't have been how you were because, you know, the depression or whatever you want to call it had taken that away from, from your head, you know, it took it away from your personality. So it was more than just performance based stuff. Yeah, it was, it was you, you know, I would forgotten how you used to be and how much you enjoyed things and how things weren't a struggle. You know, every little thing wasn't difficult and, and uh, how you just, did things cut up with you mm-hmm. guys. I have this thing where if I like you, I pick on you and my kids know that if I pick on them, yeah, <laughs> they know I love them. And, uh, same with Jen. I've always done that. And, uh, yeah, even me, I forgot that that's what I used to do. Just randomly yeah. running over. The kids are concentrating on some show and just grab them and throw them around. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Or being willing to go out to eat and enjoy it. Again, yeah. you know, because there, there were times, you know, in the midst of the worst of it where you 
wouldn't even eat dinner with us. You wouldn't even talk to us sometimes. I couldn't. I mean, there were there was a lot of days because I where, couldn't show the kids because I couldn't stop crying. Yeah, you know, I couldn't stop moaning. I, I I was hurting, and I didn't want them to see it. Or you couldn't handle the idea of yeah. But yeah, you're right. You usually would like kind of lock yourself in the room, not really lock it, but yeah. Was, I always looked like I just woke up too, mm-hmm. you know, just absolutely miserable. A uh, couple things just to follow up the, the, um, when I lost my job or gave it away, obviously um, our benefits left. And one of them was the school in this great school that our kids loved. My son was going to be going to kindergarten that year. And so we made, we didn't know it at the time. We we actually made plans to go ahead and go to the local elementary school, but through this friend, this Facebook mm-hmm. pastor friend, um, the school was kind enough. Uh, they could not offer it for free, obviously, and 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 but as a pastor discount, um, normally they would have given us forty percent. Well, I wasn't an active pastor, so they didn't know us that even. But not only did they do that, they did 50% off both of the kids' uh, uh, tuition and enabled us on one salary to be able to send our kids to this school. Now, this year, um, we're just assuming – we're not even going to ask. I mean, it's it's, it's just the way we are. We're not going to ask, and we're not going to assume, so they are going to public school. And um, and that's great because, you know, it, it was a benefit. No, but it's not mandatory. You and I went to public school. It's yeah. not like we don't count that as one of the hardships. No. The, the only the only reason why we even bring it up is because our kids have lost all their friends and everything. And and we lost them last year, you know, our friends. Now they have to go through it. We we put it, you know, we try to keep things the same for them, but now it's got to change. And I keep trying to tell myself, you know, it would be like this if they moved, but at least when you move, there's a purpose and a point, yeah, not just a reason and, and, and an excuse. And, and it was really hard for me for a while. That was like the hardest thing is, is that my kids are struggling and, and they're going to suffer and all that kind of stuff. But now that I'm feeling better and my mind's working more the way it's supposed to, I, those things still bother me, but they don't destroy me, you know? Yeah. Like I still care. But I realize they'll be fine. They'll get over it. Yeah, they're not going to get tortured in public school. No, like no, that. they're not going to join a gang and, and, you know, but but even more so, they're going to make friends and they're going to forget all about their old friends. They're not high school kids, you know, that are just going to go crazy and start, you know, knifing each other. So I'm, uh, I don't know, where, where we're at right now is... Well, no, no. Before we talk about that, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about. I want to talk about this not to brag on me, but to talk to the spouses of depressed people and depressed people themselves. One thing that I n- never gave into, and it was in general, back me up on this one hundred percent, is I never gave in. I may have feared it, I may have believed it, but I never gave in to this is the way I'm going to be for the rest of my life. I am going to get better. Sometimes I didn't believe it. Like I said, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't say it. I hoped it, though. And I always, 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 my goal has been to get back to normal or better than normal. And part of that, the way I proved it and the way I showed Jen that it, my illness was legitimate, not, and the way I proved it to myself, because when I, before I had depression, I was, I was just like everybody else. Depressed people are just using, you know, they're making up stuff so they don't have to work. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe that about my folks. And now, you know, I, to prove it to myself, I had a thing where if, if I could do it, I did it. I never, never laid back on my depression and said, oh, you know, I can't go in today because I'm depressed. You know, I, I have depression, so I'm, you know, I'm disabled now. I can't, can't do that. No, I had a mentality that if I could do it, I'm just going to do it. And even on some days, like Jen said, the days I couldn't do it, <laughs> the days she thought I'd never get up and go and do what I was supposed to do, and I did it anyway, I did it. If I could, and, and that way when I couldn't do it, it came to a point actually after she realized, you know, all the things that she realized. 
that if I couldn't do it, it's because I couldn't do it. Not because I didn't want to. Yeah. Not because I decided, not because I'd given up, but because I just could not handle it. And after I quit for quite a while, I, I couldn't feel anything at all, like I said. And I would sit and watch videos on my computer all day, every day. Uh, fail videos. Videos I couldn't stand before. I couldn't stand watching people fall off skateboards and hurt themselves and stuff. But it was the only thing that gave me any kind of feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then that moved into a gaming fixation, and which Jen was thrilled with because it was improvement. Well, because you, you were actually enjoying something. Because yeah. you, you'd given up everything. There was nothing you enjoyed. And you used to be, you know, hobby boy, all kind of, you know, podcasting. Lego. There were Legos, boxes and boxes of Legos you never put together. I mean, uh, just everything you enjoyed, movies, TV shows, you didn't, didn't do didn't any, do of, any it. of it. So slowly but surely I was able to improve. And and um, even just a couple of months ago, things like home improvement projects seemed absolutely undoable. Um, the idea of doing any kind of public ministry seemed absolutely impossible. Um, and long story short, things are improving every day and I'm becoming more and more, I guess, better than normal because it's been so long. And like Jen said, there's things that are coming back that we, you know, left, they left so slowly and didn't realize they were gone or, or, we had just accepted that this is the way James is not realizing it was, you know, an illness. So glad to be getting back to normal. My kids enjoy it. I know you do. Yes. And, um, Jen, Jen not only supported us financially this year, uh, but she also, um, carried the weight of this family on her shoulders uh, not not just this year, but the last few years, and she has been absolutely supportive, hundred percent, and has always, um, you know, once she was able to understand the way this thing worked, and once we both were staring at depression as as if it was like a third guy in the room, and we both fought it together, she she was, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better wife, and. uh I am. I have. I have kind of made a. I don't know. A, a, a vow to myself that my family has suffered enough by my hand, and so I've got a lot of making up to do. Had somebody that heard me say that on a podcast, and they wrote in, said, "James, be careful with that because then you'll feel like you got it." I was like, "No, no, no. I know what I'm doing. I know. I know exactly what I'm doing. I am not trying to overcompensate and be more than I am, or do more than I'm capable of doing. What I'm doing is I'm." making up for lost time by not uh, not making excuses and, and, and doing everything I can do, which is more and more and more every day. So I fixed the oven. That's right. The other day. And um, I'm fixing my car window. Mm-hmm. And I'm mowing the grass again yep. by myself. And I have plans to maybe even redo the bathroom. Well, good. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It's not going to be any bigger, but uh, it might be a little cleaner. Well, guys, that is it. That is the story, unless you have anything else to add. Um, just two quick things. Yeah. Um, just kind of good good takeaways if, if anybody identifies with any pieces of this. Um, you know, I don't know that we talked about this very much, but James's dad dealt with the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, He was bipolar, uh, manic depressive, and he, you know, one thing that the drugs, when his dad went through this, weren't weren't readily available. I think some of them were, but most of them were not. Or most of them had a narcotic effect. Yeah, and he, you know, dealt with it with drugs and alcohol, I think, to, to kind of deal with things. And he eventually ended up committing suicide. And we knew all this, and this was common knowledge, yet we never either of us ever assumed or applied or thought through the idea that he could have to deal with some of that. Yeah. That, that it is hereditary and it, it, it can, you know, resurface. And so 
I always think, and I think, you know, there's always a possibility our kids could face something like this or some form of this. And I think the best thing that could have happened to us in all this is if we'd known and prepared and, and recognized the symptoms, you know, if he'd gotten help five years ago, mm-hmm. it may not have been this bad. I, I don't know. You know, you know, you never know. And you obviously can't control this, but if you have a history of it and you are struggling, I mean, if you have a family history and you're struggling with things that, you know, it's okay to go get help. Yeah. In fact, it's a good thing. And Start it, with your normal doctor. And then... And tell them. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid of going to the specialist because as as weird as it seems like to go to something like a psychiatrist who's actually a medical doctor, you know, it's not, it's not the... Yeah. It's not the kind in the, in the movies. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's... It's not weird. It's just a doctor. I mean, it's it's not. I'm, I'm sure. Actually, it was hard. It was very hard. Yeah. <laughs> I sat in the in the lobby thinking, oh, I'm here with all the crazy people because I am a crazy person, <laughs> and I I just closed my eyes and and kind of closed up into a ball, and um and and I tried to explain what was going on, and he actually acted like, oh, well, that's a thing. That's a thing I hear people say, and I'm like, oh, really? You know. I was actually very unfantastic in my illness, as, as fantastic and crazy and as off yeah. the wall as it seemed. When I got in there, he's like, "Oh, well, that, of course you do. You're depressed." You know, yeah. <laughs> he was very matter of fact. You're, you're bipolar, James. Of course you're going to feel down and you're going to get activated at night. That's why you can't sleep at night. You know? Yeah. Oh, and and that's what I wanted you to come in and hear. But the other day I was sitting in that same room and I was thinking about that those times sitting in that room. Cause now it's no big deal. I'm handing people newspapers and you know, <laughs> hey, hey, you want to send much air? I'm happy. And I'm trying not to rub yeah. it in too much because, but I saw this lady, you know, she was fairly well dressed. You could tell she was a working woman, you know, and she had her eyes, she had a tissue in her hand. She had tears in her eyes and she had her eyes closed tight and she was just staring out the floor. And I, that was the same look I had. And I'm like, I wanted to talk to her. I wanted to say, it's going to get better. Everybody gets better. But she know? couldn't talk to her because she thought you were one of the crazy people. No, I couldn't talk to her because I don't know that I would have been able to accept that. Yeah. I don't think I would have believed it. I would have thought she was nuts, you know? Mm-hmm. Somebody telling me, oh, I, I was I was you. I was you and I'm fine. You know, what do you mean? You're rubbing it in, you know? Because things felt absolutely hopeless. But uh, get help. Get help. Get help. Get help. You know? And and yes, continue to pray, you know, pray and believe God. And, and, you know, and if you take your natural supplements, you know, that is not going to hurt nothing to get off caffeine and, you know, all the other things that I didn't do. Um, but there is nothing wrong with the medications that they use today. Um, they help you to... <laughs> To, to become what, to do what you're supposed to do. And it's just funny with medication. If you have a pain in your arm, take a Tylenol, no thought. If you, if you have, you know, this, the flu or something, you're going to take some, some red flu or whatever. Um, you you're know. a diabetic, you take insulin. Yeah. 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 But when it comes to drugs that release and help your brain to do, release the chemicals that it needs to overcome things. We get kind of weird. And I think in 10 years, it won't be this way. I really believe it'll be one of those things. There's, there's going to be so many people coming out of the closet, so to speak about depression that it, it won't become the norm, but it will become understood. People will know it and they won't fear it. Right. And all that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, if you had cancer, you're going to go get radiation treatment. You're not even going to think twice about it. Nobody's going to judge you right now. People do with, with, with mental things. But, uh don't don't let that stop you from getting the help you need. What do you got to lose? Try it out and be and here's the other thing too. I was religious with my medication, meaning if the guy told me to take 3 of them and 2 of them and 3 of them and 2 of them every other day, I did it. And I never it was self, uh, apparently bipolar people and depressed people typically self-medicate, meaning they take themselves off things, they try to take too much of something and they jack it all up. Don't do that. Don't do it. I never did. Jen will tell you. Nope. Never did. And I'm, I, I, got, I got the biggest pillbox in the world. It's divided into dark and light colors, so I know what to do in the morning and what to take at night. And uh, it's, it keeps it's getting me where I'm supposed to go uh, with the realization that if I stop taking my medicine tomorrow, 
I'd probably drop right back down probably to zero again. I don't know. My goal one day is to be medication free, obviously. But my doctor tells me um, you will probably take you know, lithium and something else, you know, in small doses for the rest of your life. And if that's what it takes to be the husband and father that I need to be, to have the energy and the willpower and the ability to, to do what I'm supposed to do, then so be it. And Jen will tell you, even if it was 400 bucks a pill, we'd pay it. Yeah. Because uh, it's worth it. Hey, guys, thank you for listening to this very special two-part series about our story and um, catching us up, you know, to the modern day. I hope that it's helped you. I hope that you got something out of it. And if there's any parts that you're unsure about, any questions we didn't answer, any questions that have arisen, feel free to email those things to mmdcast at gmail.com or go to mmdcast and um, leave a voicemail and uh, we'll either answer it in person or right there on the show. One thing Jen and I discussed after we recorded all this is how little we talked about the recovery process. And so maybe we owe you a part three. Maybe as the story continues and we get a little further along in our process, you know, in the recovery process, uh, we'll record that part. Thanks for listening. And uh, the next episode should be a normal MMD cast. So enjoy that. Peace. Peace.